This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. How do you know when fall is here? Is it the jewel-toned leaves coating the sidewalks? The Halloween decorations? For me, it's when the apple cider donuts start popping up at the grocery store, or when I have an intense craving for a bowl of chili. Well, WBEZ's Fall Eats series covers some of the cravings that you might have as the crisp autumn air rolls in and where to find them. And Maggie Hennessy is a Chicago-based food writer who contributed to the series, and she joins us now in studio with more. Hey, Maggie, welcome. Hi, what a joy to be here. Thanks for having Good me. Good to see you. What foods are you craving whenever the fall hits? Well, for me, it it gets back to nostalgia, right? Mm. Cozy. So I'm I'm like, wrap me in, in the sweaters, give me soup, give me <laughs> big old apple fritters the size of your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wrap me in the blanket. That's right. We're Give preparing for hibernation like the grizzlies, you know? We got to feed ourselves accordingly. Yeah. Are there foods that you you would say you eat less when this season rolls around? Yeah, I, I look forward to trading. Well, I'm a person who drinks hot coffee year-round even when it's, like, horrendously hot. Mm-hmm. And I get a lot of funny looks for it. I'm, I'm a soup person through and through, but I do love trading the ice for the hot things yeah. especially it's um makes sense yeah even when it, it even though it hasn't really felt quite like fall um not 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 <laughs> quite so yet much, right? I, I saw folks in shorts this week so right. i don't i don't know if it's here just yet uh so apples that's one thing that we know that is um incorporated into so many fall dishes just last weekend i had apple pie with my family and it, it felt great it felt like oh the holidays are coming yeah. um now you also recently wrote about apple fritters yeah. You wrote a whole piece on that. So describe the the best apple fritter that you, you talked about in your reporting. Well, the best one that is no longer a secret, um, which I paid a price for, is at Old Fashioned Donuts um, in Roseland. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. Okay. Um, the proprietor turns 85 this month, I believe. Wow. Um, and makes about six or seven dozen of them every Saturday morning. So if you are sleeping in, as yours truly did, <laughs> um, until you know you roll in there at 1030, those are long gone by that time. Um, they're wonderful. They're what I love about the apple fritter is it is in and of itself. Well, first of all, the fritter as a as an item, food item, is centuries, centuries old. It's it's worldwide cultures claim some sweet or savory variation on the fritter. Mm-hmm. The apple fritter is amazing because it's it's economical. It's made from donut scraps, yeasted donut scraps, and they're mixed together with with apple pieces, um, tons of cinnamon, mm. um, formed into pucks and fried. Um, and they're just one of the great joys. A lot of bakeries keep them on year round, but in fall is when I just start to seek them out. So they're sort of like hiding in plain sight. I love that in the piece you you call it apple fritter season. It is truly <laughs> right. You it cools down a little. You hop on your bike. The air is a little crisper. You go, oh, should I've worn that that extra layer? And you 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 wait for this promise of this this warm donut with apple pieces in it and a, and a hot cup of coffee. So at Old Fashioned Donuts, unfortunately, I had to settle for a regular <laughs> glazed donut. But fortunately, just up Cottage Grove, um, you can go to Dat mm. Donut in Chatham, um, where yeah. they they bake them all day long so you can have a warm apple fritter. Oh, that's perfect. And quite a few spots made your list, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For um, the apple fritter? Yeah, I ate a lot. I ate a lot of apple fritters and they are not small. 
They <laughs> aren't. Somebody has to do it, you know. Yeah. Somebody has to research. That's right. Research. That's right. Uh, fall, you know, it, it may be this beautiful respite after that blazing heat mm-hmm. that we we saw this summer, and as we just dis- discussed, there was another hot day just this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is also the season of coughs and sniffles, mm-hmm. right? That's also the reality that comes with this time of year. So. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick Mexican chicken soup as your cure-all? So it's interesting. This, for me, was actually the origin point of this entire series. Um, I Years ago, my husband, he's a, he's a big burrito fan, mm-hmm. orders one weekly, um, likes to try them from all over the place. He was ordering, you know, do you want a burrito? No, no, I didn't feel well. And he's, he goes, well, you know, they have chicken soup from Taco Nazo El Tio, which is on Fullerton in Logan Square. Well, they have a few locations um, and they had chicken soup. And, and when it arrived, still volcanically hot in its styrofoam container, I started noticing that the pieces bobbing therein were absolutely enormous. And it was very whimsical. I'm pulling out like a whole chicken leg, yes. a huge piece, you know, almost half a, a uh, um, corn, <laughs> like a whole corn, half a potato. So it was very whimsical. Um, and it's such a classic, right? It's such a familiar comfort chicken yes. soup um, universally. And and just smelling, tasting that golden broth with the fat slick on top, you, yeah. you feel better. It's emotional, curative, as much as physical, you know? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to convince me. I'm a sucker for chicken oh, soup. I love too. it. I'm actually making a huge pot of it this weekend just because. What are you making? What kind? <laughs> just, well, it's actually a Jamaican style chicken soup but it's very similar to what you're describing so we've got the corn in there we'll put you know the potatoes in there we'll put pumpkins in there and Mm. um, dumplings actual you know big pieces of chicken it's just really hearty just really good yeah I'm making a huge pot Can I invite myself? Yeah. <laughs> You're invited. You're invited for I'll sure. just follow the soups. It's like, yeah. you know, the Pied Piper to me. I it's follow like the It's like the next soup. level beyond chicken noodle soup. <laughs> your classic chicken noodle soup for sure. And I um, love a gourd in a chicken soup. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So good. And you you uh, name drop a handful of places mm-hmm. around town where, where folks can find this, this yeah. Mexican style chicken soup. Uh, what would you say distinguishes the soup at each of the spots? Well... It, it's fairly similar, I would say, um, in terms of just the large pieces, because... Well, that's good to know. We have several options then where we can that's right. sort of get Wherever that authentic... That's right. Wherever you're located. Yeah. Exactly. I think that was kind of the goal here, was you're never too far from this sort of chicken soup. And where I went, um, specifically, the place that makes my favorite at the moment is Los Asadores um, on Foster in North Park. Mm. Why well, um, is that one your favorite? Well... Partly they put chayote squash in there, which Ooh. and it's a guero-based broth, so it's it's sort of reddish tinged. Um, the owner Tobias Marine is from Michoacan, and he told me that growing up in Michoacan, when you were mal con la gripa, it's 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 just been a curative chicken soup, um, caldo de pollo, since time immemorial in, around Latin America, oh, nice. and so it was beautiful. And and what what I thought was interesting was when I interviewed him. Um, I had asked, you know, did this have some other dual purpose? Are you making this broth and then are using the simmered chicken for something like chicken tinga? And he said, no, it specifically has this sole purpose, this curative chicken soup, um, which I thought was really beautiful. But mm. there's what I love is there's a lot of accoutrements as well. You get chopped jalapeno, onion, cilantro. They make beautiful salsas in-house. So you can sort of season to your liking at oh, the table. Lovely. Yeah, which is a really fun thing Okay, about I get this. it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> tortillas, you can pinch that, that like fall apart chicken mm. meat off the bone. It's heaven. Oh my goodness. Now in another recent piece, 
you were focused on pop-up restaurants. Mm-hmm. I found this one cool because when I hear about pop-up restaurant, I immediately think, okay, well, this is temporary, right? Mm-hmm. But these restaurants that you talked with, they say that this actually might be our new normal. Mm-hmm. Expand on that. Yeah. So you could point to partly the very onerous um, food truck laws we have in the city, which don't allow a business to park a truck to park within 200 feet of an establishment that serves food. So I think entrepreneurs sort of had to pivot Given that, that, you know, there's a low barrier to entry with a pop-up, um, anyone can do it. And there's a great community of, of chefs and, and small independent restaurants who support each other. So they would often up the, offer up their kitchen spaces mm-hmm. um, or their restaurant spaces as a, as a place to get their food out to the public. And it's cool because I think at first, for so many, the dream was always ending with a brick-and-mortar restaurant. You know, the sign above the door where yeah. people can come and become regulars. and and But because fixed costs have gotten so high, for some of them, they've, they've almost been set free by the by the lack of, of limits, like of, of yeah. brick and mortar, you know, they're, they're not worrying about paying for Wi-Fi and, yeah. and overhead. Mobile. That's right. Yeah. And, and staffing and, and all these challenges that have just become increasingly tough. Um, they're able to get their food to the public. And, and some of these have unbelievable followings and their limitations by being a pop-up automatically create scarcity. So people are showing up yeah. there, you know. Well, one of them that you highlight uh, that serves Midwestern comfort foods, mm-hmm. that's a duo that we've had on Reset on Food Friday. Oh, great. It's Funeral Potatoes. Mm-hmm. So remind us what their model is and what sets them apart. They're a virtual restaurant, um, delivery only, frozen and chilled Midwest comfort food. Yeah. Um, that The name itself as it suggests. Um, they brought some yummy eats to the oh, studio that day. <laughs> they make such special food, so don't good. they? So, so full, really full of heart. Also very creative. Um, yeah. But um, just a, a wonderful. And, and they were quite hesitant, um, uh, particularly Eve Studnicka, um, co-founder and one of the chefs, mm-hmm. um, along with Alexis Thomas Rice. Um, Eve spoke about being really nervous about going into a brick and mortar, you know, opening a brick and mortar restaurant because she thought she might lose her love of cooking. Um, they were worried about work-life balance. And and so for them being a virtual restaurant um, that they started during the pandemic when there was a lot of demand, obviously, for, for interesting um, meals yeah. at home, people couldn't leave. But then as things opened up, then they were able to start doing in-person catered events, which they do a lot of now as well. Um, nice. Showing up at festivals, too, to feed folks in person. So they're connecting with people in person. So glad to hear they're doing well. Yeah. That's good. Oh, they that's really good. are. And yeah. I want to jump to something else you Please, wrote about. Yeah. This is a, another dish that's uh, popularized by local chef. Uh, it's uh, Pasta Yaya. Mm-hmm. This is at Chef Jason Hamill's Lula Cafe. Give us the story behind that dish. This dish, to me, it, it's everything I look for in fall. It's cheesy. It's not only cheesy. I mean, it's like cheese bechamel sauce which is a a milk sauce um thickened with flour it's also browned butter garlic in like three different forms fresh sweet roasted fried in butter right and and then it's it's tossed with these thick greek bucatini noodles um it's been on the menu since they opened um lula um which opened in 1999 um the, the chef co-owner, Jason Hamill, just released a, a cookbook. Oh, yeah. Um, that he started. He was on, on reset. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting them all. We're, I'm getting everybody in this city. <laughs> if you make food, I'm coming to find you. She will find you. <laughs> um, he 
one of the things I, I wanted to do was I've recreated this dish at home many, many, many times. Great. How did um, it turn out? Okay. I didn't. Ha- I'm not a chef, you know. I not tried. quite a Jason Hamill you know, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> exclusive. But what I got stuck on over and over is browning butter. It is hard. And this place, they don't only brown butter. They are also browning garlic in that butter so it is doubly risky because oh my goodness you could all, you could have burnt butter but you could also have burnt garlic which tastes acrid so i asked jason can you show me um the, the method so i went over i met his little muppety dog Vito. um who oh was, wow i know who was not very interested in in a friendship which that's okay i'll go over <laughs> it but um he he showed me the method and, and really essentially you kind of create a you're, you continually move the pan once the butter starts starts crackling and and you um you're kind of creating like a vortex almost in the pan where you're preventing the the butter solids as they separate and the garlic from touching the hot base of the pan so it was wonderful and i think a lot of people some skill that's right practice right but fortunately you can eat buttery cheesy pasta and over now you've got us all hungry, Maggie. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. Maggie Hennessy is a Chicago-based food writer. You can find her work online at wbez.org. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.